When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And Taylor, it was an eventful weekend for the Buffalo Sabres. First, kicking off with RJ Knight in an incredible win against the Panthers on Friday. An incredible scene, just all around a, a pretty magical night and top to bottom. Hats off to the Buffalo Sabres for how they went about putting that night together. But before we get to that, we're going to get to the more recent news of the day, which is the Sabres' 5-3 to three loss to the Florida Panthers. Um, three, two periods, for the most part, the Sabres went toe-to-toe with Florida, they end up storming back in the third period after being down three to one as resulting in a five to three loss against the Panthers. There were a lot of bright spots from today's game, some not so bright spots. Um, namely, I thought that Casey Middlestat and Rasmus Asplund early on were, were pretty fantastic. So we can get into that a bit, but your general takeaways from today's five to three loss against the Florida Panthers. Well, it turns out the Panthers are better than the Sabres. Who would have thought? Um, yeah, it's a tough loss to get mad about for a few reasons. The first, as you mentioned, they played pretty much right with them for the first period and the first few minutes of the second period before Florida really, you know, put their put their foot on the gas and it kind of blew them away. Uh, so the other thing is the Sabres, again, uh, showed some resolve and definitely did not go, didn't quit, which is not an accomplishment, but like, actually were able to get like a good four check together and start to put some pressure on them, which I think partially led to both of those penalties getting called, which led to the Sabres scoring two power play goals. So, side note, the power play has been looking a little bit better too, looking much more put together than it was earlier in the season. So that's, you know, they, they, they play like a team that believes they can come from behind the difference is you weren't, you're not playing Chicago. <laughs> Florida is a significantly better team. They might oh, be the, either the best or second best team in the NHL, probably not as good as Colorado, but it they might be the, the most dangerous offensive playoff spot though. Yeah. They, they clinched the playoff spot today. So the real thing is the difference in this game, honestly, a big difference is Dustin Tokarski uh, doesn't really make a save when you need one. Like it's not about giving up soft goals. He just doesn't. There's so many good goalies in the NHL now that it's hard to, get by with one who doesn't give you a little bit extra, doesn't make some of the tough saves that are not, not really straightforward. So he's just not, not really good. And, but that's another thing that's hard to get mad at because no one thought the Sabres were going to have good goaltending coming into this year. So it's not like they're missing someone right now. Like Anderson's 41 and he doesn't play 
twice in a weekend really anymore it's very rare for him right so i in all in all it's not it's a, if any game was going to end their point streak i guess you might as well be one where they're playing a team like that now the schedule in general is uh kind of nightmarish over the next couple of weeks they have they're spending a little bit of time in the southeast united states which unlike many times in the past actually has some um, really really quality teams right now so we, we probably will not see another point streak, but all that matters to me is that they play like they did today. At this yeah. point in the season, by the time you're hearing this, the Sabres might already have, be out of the playoffs mathematically. Not that we thought any different, but at this point, it's not really about wins or losses. I don't care about getting, you know, improved lottery odds. Uh, the Sabres are picking in the top 10 regardless. And I think you need to start to look at how the team actually looks. So I'm not cheering for losses and I wouldn't be too discouraged about them though, just because, you know, this team isn't going to finish with more than like 78 points or at the very, you know, at the very best, you know, they could be in the high seventies. They probably won't even be that high. So what you need to look at is, is do these good trends continue? Does Tuck and, you know, does he continue to play well? Tuck, Tage, Skinner, Darlene, and, well, we could maybe talk about Oposo a little bit too. And then do you see some improvement from guys that you, you do you see continued improvement, especially out of Casey Middlestat now that he's actually healthy and playing. And do you see that out of cousins? Do you see continued improvement out of him since he's a, another one of the young fellas? Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's really down the stretch. Like you said, these are challenging games coming up and what you're going to need to see is these guys continuing the steps that they've taken this year. You know, I think that there's just a, a buzz and energy around the team that's been there really for, you know, since the Vegas game. And I feel like it's kind of progressively growing more and more. And you had mentioned it earlier, but just showing the resolve today to not roll over. I think that that's, a really encouraging theme that we've seen this year, you know, it's both the ability to not roll over when you're behind, but also at the same time, we've seen this team be able to maintain leads in close games and one goal games repeatedly over and over again. And, you know, for young players like that, getting that experience and being able to develop that consistency of closing out games in, in high pressure situations. I mean, hell, look at the, look at the Nashville game and we can use this as an opportunity to transition there. If we'd like to, you know, Nashville comes up, is coming on strong in the third period. You have a very narrow lead on them. They quite literally came down to the wire with those faceoffs in the defensive zone with four seconds left in the game, but the Sabres were able to hold on. And, you know, it's as though we're seeing these guys grow as players and grow as a team before our eyes. And really you want to just continue that momentum through the rest of the year and into the off season this year, because I think the question that we're going to really have to start asking ourselves is, and maybe not so much asking ourselves, but that we're going to have to start thinking about is, is this team given what they look like right now and really through the second half of this year, does Kevin Adams feel like uh, a timeline is going to get moved up a little bit, or maybe more accurately, is this going to be a more aggressive off season than they had originally planned? You know, you have Tage Thompson, who has a 30 goal score. That is an unbelievable step that he has taken this year. Jeff Skinner is back to being a 30 goal scorer. You have Dylan Cousins who before this year, I think you and I both had said, the big thing that we would wanted to see out of him was the development of his two-way play. And maybe if he's able to pot 40 points to show at least that there's some production there, because there really wasn't as much as you would have liked to see last season. And we've seen that from him. He's going to break 40 points this year, assuming 
there's not an injury or anything like that. We've seen his two-way game develop more and more as the year goes on and just his ability to read plays in both ends of the, and, and I shouldn't even say both in all three phases of the ice, you know, his transition game is improving greatly, which is helping, you know, him and both sides of the ice. So, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, like you had said about him, seeing how he continues to grow. And then also, you know, you have your role players too, on top of that. I mean, I think Rasmus Asplund, just to get back to him, I know I mentioned him a bit at the top of the episode, the, the production isn't always there with him. He's not a goal scorer. He's not a point producer, but he gives you, I think what you need out of a quality fourth liner that on a good team, which is he, he gives you position flexibility for one. He can rotate between playing center and playing on the wing. He is a damn hard worker. Every shift that he's out there, you could tell that he's busting his ass, even if again, the points aren't showing up, but beyond the point production, he's a great defensive player. He's competent in the offensive zone, even if he doesn't have any finishing ability and he's really solid in transition too. I mean, that's what you want out of a a fourth liner on a good team. And as we've been talking about the way that the Sabres are being built right now, it's not it's the antithesis of what it was in the Eichel era where you have these one or two core pieces that you're kind of hoping are going to be able to take you over the top without really building out the rest of the roster. That's why those teams failed. It wasn't because of Eichel. It wasn't because of Reinhardt. It was because the full lineup was not built out appropriately to be a winner and a contender. Whereas now it's the opposite of that. There's a lot of depth on this team right now. And you have a lot of guys who are showing that they have value in this league and they have value in the long-term plans for the Buffalo Sabres, but it's you're missing now that maybe one or two key pieces, that being a, a legit top six forward who's going to be, you know, 60, 70, 80 point guy for you. And then a solid top four right-handed defenseman and a goalie too. And looking at it that way, if you know that you're those three pieces away and not to say that those are very easy to come by and it's like, oh, Kevin Adams can just snap his fingers and next year you're going to have a top six forward of top four right-handed defenseman and a start, a quality starting goalie to pair with Lukanen, but they're not as far off as, as maybe we thought at the beginning of this season. And so I think that it's th- this last stretch is going to be huge again for determining who's going to be here next year, who's going to be able to raise their value for Adams to then potentially even use in a trade potentially. And, you know, what really the plan is going to be moving forward. Is Owen Power going to get time going up? Who is going to get the fourth recall for the Sabres? Is Lukanen going to come up and he, is he going to get games? Is it going to be Jack Quinn? You know, it, it remains to be seen, but I just increasingly more and more now, as we're down to this final stretch with less than 15 games to play in the regular season, you know, we're, we're turning our head to the off season. And I think that you could say that the stakes are a lot higher than we really thought they were going to be this year, all year. You and I have been saying, I mean, at least me, I've been really beating the drum that 2023, 2024 is the year where you're really going to compete. And I do believe that still in terms of them being a legitimate playoff team, hundred percent. I think it's that. I don't think that you can go into next year thinking this, this is a lock. They're going to compete because on top of them, not having the pieces to do so you're in the toughest division in hockey, but you're a lot closer than you really thought than you originally thought you were on that timeline. And if Kevin Adams wants to get aggressive this off season, there's no reason that if this team continues to progress and he adds those one or two or three key pieces that maybe we're talking about timelines moving up even further. Well, 
I mean, that, I mean, that'd be nice. I don't want to miss the playoffs for a 12th straight year. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so two other guys I want to shout out because I think they'll both be back next year. One is probably the, the longer conversation. So we can save that for a second, but first just want to shout out Semgus Gergensen's who now has 10 goals in 44 games. So he's just under a 20 goal pace. That's great. Unfortunately, he hasn't played a full season in quite a while. I think partially because of his style of play, he's injured more than some other guys. But I, be- if I'm not mistaken, he's back next year, isn't he? He is. Yeah, they have one more year with him. And then they also have one more year uh, with Oposo. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, I mean, so I tweeted about it from the account earlier, but what a, a absolute revelation that he has been this season. And it, it feels like it, it's it's remarkable that as he's taken on this greater expanded leadership role, it's almost as though it's fueling his resurgence on the ice too, where he knows now in the room, he's the guy, I mean, Opposo has always been a respected vet, but he is the guy in the locker room now that all these kids are looking up to. And I think that he just wears that with so much pride that that coupled with him being the healthiest he's been probably in his entire stretch as a state. Well, up there in his entire stretch as a saber, we should say. What I think is really remarkable about Opozo is the fact that it feels as though his taking on of an advanced leadership role in this team has almost been fueling the elevated production that we've been getting out of him this year. He's always been a respected veteran in the room. I mean, he's worn a letter prior to this season too, but he's the guy in the room now. He is the one that all of these kids are looking up to and they feed off of that energy. And I think that for him to be in that position and and to have this much of an important role, I think in a way, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it that it's motivating him even further, but I think just having that extra motivation coupled with the fact that he's probably the healthiest or close to being the healthiest that he's been his entire tenure as a saber. I know when he first got here, he was healthy for a bit when he had made the all-star game, but like he had a really, really rough stretch of injury concerns, some concerns of him even being able to play in the NHL again due to some of the concussion symptoms. And uh, you know, we all know the story, the athletic story that had come out about him where he was, I, I mean, damn near on like the verge of potentially retiring and, you know, I think for him to be able to be in this environment right now where he's the guy, he's the one who has a lot of pressure on him, honestly, and being able to carry that load. I, I think that those two things in a way are kind of playing off of each other. Would you agree with that? I think so. It makes a lot of sense to me because part of what he dealt with, it wasn't just like he broke his leg or whatever, like he had brain problems, really. Like he had said concussion issues especially bad in the 2016-17 season. So I think it's that's, that makes things tough mentally. I mean, there's no escape from that kind of thing. It's not like you can put your leg up in a cast and forget about it. Like this is, it's a constant thing. And I'm sure he struggled with being considered a, a disappointment contract wise and through all the bad vibes and bad, frankly, bad seasons that had, the Sabres had gone through. But now that he was given an A, it's, you know, he seems so much more important to the team, but I do think like his, it's been a slow build with his transformation because starting in like the 1819 season, what have been that season or 1920 when the log line came together because yeah. he played really well in the log line and he didn't really get attention for it. And then no, he did. That, I, I would, I would actually definitely agree with that. I mean, 
that line was <laughs> the a, a real bright spot at the time. They were they were great, and it was it seemed like that was the start of him turning things around. But the thing that's interesting about that to me though is okay, we're not getting a guy that's worth $6 million, but he's a really good fourth line player. And that's, that's fine. But even that going from that and just being a competent fourth line player that, you know, you're not going to be worth the salary ever, but at least you're not sinking your team when you're on the ice. So you go even from that baseline to then being on the verge of being a 20 goal scorer. How do you even I, I can't even think of a, a something that's like comparable to this, at least in Sabres history. I'm sure looking at the NHL, if I took a deeper dive into it, but like in terms of recent Sabres memory or my time as being a Sabres fan, I, this is remarkable what he's doing right now. Yeah. I'm looking right now at his stats. He he's on the ice a little bit more this year. Cause he's still kind of a fourth liner. Mm-hmm. Um, but his ice time has increased by about three minutes this season from where it was. He was very much treated like a fourth liner for basically starting in 1819. Right. Um, but he's still not, you know, he's, he's, he's playing like 16 minutes a game. It feels like he's still getting, well, he's, he's, I guess the other thing is he's been a little bit more productive on the power play. That's helped him out. But yeah, he's at 18 goals now. So in the last 12 games, he just needs two goals to get to 20, which would be as high with the Sabres. He had 19 and 65 games his first year here, which is before getting hurt. And then besides that, he had years of 22, 27, and 24 with the Islanders. So he's kind of almost getting back to like his old form, despite, you know, at even strength, he's playing with like Cody Eakin. It's crazy. And he played a lot with like John Hayden this year. It's well, not like they stuck him with, you know, I don't know, Tuck or Skinner or something like that. Like he's, like I right. said, on the power play, which is nice, but like he's – he, his even strength minutes are not coming with skilled players for the most part. Right. I mean, and he had that really good stretch with cousins too there for a bit True. Uh, about a month or two ago. But again, I think that even talks to another point about him when it comes to the ability to move him up and down the lineup. It's not, you know, playing him, would you say his ice time is uh, over 16 minutes a night? Yeah, it's almost 17 now. That's not fourth line, typical fourth line minutes. I, I nope. mean, that's like middle six, more like second line minutes almost. So again, though, you're right. Like the quality of the line and, you know, a lot of that comes into the fact that Granado trusts that Eakin Opozo Gergensen's line, just in general, like having Eakin and Opozo out there in those defensive situations, but like he's get, he can get moved around the lineup and he can hold his own at least. I mean, the fact that he's able to keep up and play as well as he did with cousins, I think is great. I don't think that that's something that we should expect from him next year, because in a perfect scenario, and just looking at how the roster is already shaking out for next year, he's going to be on the fourth line again, but guys get hurt. Guys have to get moved around a little bit. And the fact that he's given that to you. And again, in less than stellar minutes, less than stellar assignments is about to put up 20 goals at this stage of his career. After seeing what we've seen from him, it is a, it's an unbelievable turnaround. And I think for just him as a person, there are few players in the NHL more deserving of having this kind of a revitalization than him. Yeah, seriously, he's been through a lot and he seems like a genuinely good guy that everyone likes. So, you know, so good to see him, I guess, have have the season that uh, he's probably been looking for for five years now. So let me ask you this. A lot of people, I, I think the conversation has been turning a bit because, you know, when Tuck came into the equation and just seeing his passion for being a Buffalo Sabre, there's obviously the local connection there. 
But just in general, what he brings to the locker room, you and I both had talked about the idea of making him the captain. And that's something that that happens next year. I'd be very, very pleased with that. But I feel like it's gaining more and more steam now among people that I've been seeing. Should it be a Pozo C next year and a Pozo has it until he leaves or retires and then they give it to talk? Or do you give it to talk while maintaining an, an A on a Pozo's jersey? And then that way you still maintain that leadership group, but you're setting yourself up for the future early. That makes more sense to me because you never know. Oposo could be gone after next year. I think you might as well just give it to Tuck now or at the start of next season and keep, keep Oposo with an A. He's still part of the leadership group. Um, I think that, yeah, that makes the most sense to me. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a high honor having an A. If he was younger, maybe he'd be better suited to be captain. Uh, but, yeah, it's – who. I'm drawing a blank right now. Who else is ha- has an A right now? Pesic and Gergensen's, and then when they're hurt, Darlene has had it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So in my mind, you know, next year, do you go Tuck C, Opozo A, Darlene A, to try and keep elevating him too in his development and, and growing his leadership role? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe you do that too. I, he's, he's definitely a guy that, at least from the outside, seems to be more of a leader. Uh, than he has been in the past, which, you know, makes sense because he's turning 22 this year. So he's become more of a, a, a weirdly to say a veteran for someone who's 22, but it is his fourth season. Yeah. So oh, yeah. it's not like he just got here yesterday. Well, and on top of that, I think the thing that really works in the Sabres favor here is the fact that you already have among some of the other young guys on the team, guys who are showing leadership qualities. I mean, I, I know we've seen um the the videos that have been going viral of Peyton Krebs doing the opening lineups for each game which I gotta say just continue to be awesome like I love that and it's so funny to think that that's just something that's such a foreign concept to what we were seeing during the Eichel era you know it, it just did not seem like we ever really saw this level of excitement or camaraderie or guys wanting to step up like that so I really love to see that uh, on top of that. I mean, Dylan Cousins, again, he has from juniors leadership experience as well. But again, like he's a guy on the ice that I think leads by example in a way. So there's another guy that has that ability potentially down the road sometime if somebody's ever heard or whatever to wear a letter. So it's it's pretty remarkable to see that not only are these young guys coming together and and feeding off of the the veterans in the room and just you know cultivating the good vibes we can call it but on top of that they're taking some of that and running with it and integrating it into their own wanting to step up and be leaders as well yeah it's good to hear and so i believe uh, we probably should move on to the first game of the weekend but before we do that let's hear a word from our sponsors and as you all know, the sponsors, of course, are DraftKings. Hoops fans. So, yeah, sadly, no. No Hoops fans. I know. I, know. I just wanted to hear you say it again. <laughs> hoops fans. <laughs> no. The NHL season, hockey fans. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving 
all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NHL. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Or 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, New Hampshire. In Connecticut, you can call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, you can call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Oregon, you can visit opgr.org. In Tennessee, you can call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-79, sorry, 9789. And then in Virginia, you can call 1-888-532-3500. Must be 21 or older or 18 or older in New Hampshire or Wyoming and physically present in one of the aforementioned states to be able to be eligible. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. All right, Taylor. So you had said before that ad read there that it is the perfect opportunity for us to talk about Friday's game. And boy, oh boy, what a night it was. RJ Knight, his banner raising ceremony. I mean, the emotions were just so high the entire night. It was the first sellout of the season for the Sabres. The crowd was just booming the entire night. You could tell, like, it was just infectious. And you could tell that the players were really, really feeding off of it. <clears throat> you and I uh, were kind of at the game together. We ended up hanging out after and we're hanging out between periods and talking and everything. But, I, I mean, one of the things that I had noticed even from – listening to the post-game interviews when we were on the ride back to my apartment after were just the excitement of some of these young guys, like Peyton Krebs, for example, where, you know, this is obviously his first sellout crowd with the Sabres being that he was just traded here this year and just getting to see what this fan base is really like, getting to see what Rick really means to this fan base and how much he means to the community and just the history and just the countless calls that he has made that are just ingrained into our memory. Um, and, and Krebs was talking about though, to, to get back to that point, just again, like hearing these guys talking about relating it back to making it to the playoffs and winning a Stanley cup, like this is on their mind. Like they want to turn this thing around. And when you have showings like that, where the fans are so engaged, getting so into it, there was an interview, I think with Kyle Opozo, where he had like looked Dylan cousins when the wave had started and all the young guys on the bench were kind of looking around being like, Holy shit. Like, this is crazy. Like Opozo looks over to cousins and it says like, this is the national league because cousins was a rookie last year. COVID obviously affected attendance. And so he really hadn't had the opportunity either with this being a second season to play in front of a sold out crowd like that. And so, I, I mean, all in all, you could not have asked for a better night. Sabres come away with the win. They end up scoring early with Peyton Krebs scoring the amazing uh, rebound goal. And then he jumps into the glass and everybody is just like on one from there on out. Um, so do we want to, do we want to talk about the game first? Do we want to talk about the ceremony first. Where do, where do we want to go? Let's well, start with the ceremony because that was before the game. So we were both there, obviously, and they 
I'm, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening watch it on TV, but it was it was great. They brought out all those old players. They brought back, you know, some of his broadcast partners. They had, well, they had Terry Pagula speak briefly. That was interesting. Um, but they, Bing Boon. Yeah, that was that was something. And they had, you know, obviously RJ come out and address the crowd. So the video was great, first of all. A plus job by all the the video staff and really the, whoever whoever was involved with the process. I'm sure it was quite a few people. Game day presentation, everyone, you know, fantastic job. It was it was uh, remarkable, especially the the videos they did. You know, they did really cool uh, montage before he came out there. They did uh, like a funny April Fool style one during. Uh, it, I I didn't think it was during the game. It was they tweeted it out. It was just funny things RJ had done over the years. I think they did in the intermission too. They aired it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then obviously videos from all different kinds of people who couldn't be there, including Wayne Gretzky, the the great one. And Pat LaFontaine, not exactly on good terms with the Sabres. And Chris Drury, too. And Chris Drury, also not. Shocking that those two were a part of it. That just shows how much they respect RJ. Yeah. I'm sure if this was like a something else, it, they'd probably be a, a hard no, but someone that uh, really see everyone seems to like. Everyone, that, really in the media, too. There's no, I don't think there's anyone who covers the Sabres or works for the Sabres or played for the Sabres or even against the Sabres that seems to have anything bad to say about them. So, but yeah, I, I, so I expected to be kind of uh, emotional when it happened in it and it was, and he came out and he talked about how he didn't want any, he never wanted any other job in the world besides calling Sabres games. So at the end of his uh, little speech, he was gonna, he said he had three words and someone in the crowd yells out, let's go Buffalo. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, those will definitely be the three words. And he starts to say, I love. And I, I thought then, I because he takes a little pause, I thought, oh, he's going to say he loves Buffalo. That's nice. And he says, I love you. And I was like, oh, my God. It was so vulnerable. It's such a, hmm. such a, such a cool thing to see, honestly. Really, really grateful to be there. Agreed. It's something that I'm going to remember forever as a Sabres fan. The, the video package that they did for him, too, introducing. I mean, that – I started – tearing up during it like it it was oh god just overwhelming you know you just think about how this guy and his calls are just so ingrained into some of the most important memories of our lives in reality as sports fans I mean for you and I and everybody listening you know that nobody can deny how much we all love the Sabres like we've put up with so much over the years and have been through all of that like the highs many 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 more lows and Rick has kind of been the constant through all of that. You know, we talked about it on our last episode that one of the things that really makes him so special and in general makes announcers special is when you take a big moment in sports, a lot of times you really just remember the moment, but in those really, really special moments with those really, really special announcers, it's not just the moment, it's the call. And with all of these moments, Again, Pominville's winner, Briere's uh, winner against Philly, um, Chris Drury's winner against the Rangers in the last seconds, taking it back more, LaFontaine scoring his first goal and La 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 LaFontaine being born. You have uh, Rene Robert's goal against the Flyers in the Fog game. You know, it, it's just throughout the entire tenure of this guy's career as an announcer. It's just time and time again, he just hits the nail on the head and just has these incredible calls. And 
it's a part he's a part of Sabres history as much as anybody who has ever put that jersey on before and there's really nobody who deserved a night that special as much as Rick Jenneret did I mean he is just a truly truly special man who not only is he great at what he does but he's also a world-class person and his impact on people uh, throughout Buffalo the broadcasting world the, the sports world in general just cannot be denied or overstated yeah, I was thinking about that because we said a lot of stuff last week, but a few things I didn't say that I thought of after. So Jenneret, like his calls, they're basically what you said, no matter how old you are, there's something that you really might remember from your youth, your teen years, your early 20s, whatever. If people that are, let's say, our parents' age or a little bit older, probably really connect with the the Robert call, which is a radio call. And as we said, he was a radio only guy for the first 20 plus years of his career. On the other hand, I think a lot people, a lot of more people than now, you know, it was, it was a, probably a lot more common thing to listen to a game on the radio in the seventies than it is now. Anyway, the Robert call would be the one that they, I think would identify with and remember the most, you know, it's, it's such a huge moment. It's a, an overtime goal in the Stanley cup finals and a crazy fog game, the bat, all that stuff. Then there's, there's a lot of the, the eighties are an interesting period in Sabres history because you start with what was really the end of like the Perot era in really one of the most underrated teams in Sabres history, the 1980 team that lost to the Islanders. And then it ends with you've gone through a rebuild in the middle of the decade and it's a different team now. And I think that's, it's right before they trade for LaFontaine and it's right before they get, I think, I think they signed McGill in 89, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And that, and you have all data is on his way. You have Howard Chuck is about to come there. Like that's, that's, it's interesting a decade, but in the, you know, in that decade, there's a bunch of fun calls. There's the Wowie Housley, like that type of thing. I don't know that there's a moment really that stands out from the eighties in, in one particular call, but then the nineties, you know, Rose 501 for me, at least I'll just say that about that's Rose 500th call, I think is really classic. Yeah. yeah. That's probably the one that might be the biggest goal of the eighties because obviously the Sabres were throughout most of after, after like 83, they were a team that made the playoffs, but lost in the first round every year until 93. But looking at the nineties, he gets on TV after Ted Darling, unfortunately has to retire. You have the Mayday call. I'm not sure if he was on TV yet for the Mayday call. Either way it's a playoff game. So he was, he was right. I don't know. That that would have been right around when Darling um, was retiring. Either way though, it's a playoff game, right? So I assume he wouldn't have been on TV anyway. So the Mayday call, which is probably his most famous one ever. And you start to get the La 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 LaFontaine ones. You have a bunch of interesting ones with McGillney, just the way he talked about how, what an impressive player McGillney was. Yeah. The, the Vapor Trail one, like the McGillney's a red hot Russian, yep. things like that. Uh, Alexander the Great. Uh, so you have you've those ones. And then you have the Are You Ready Legion of Doom. Uh, you have the Jimmy Hoffa one Jimmy Hoffa, when right, they beat the yeah. Devils. So you have, there's so many good ones. And then you obviously have the Stanley Cup runs in 98, 99. You have the Stu Barnes, that one. Mm-hmm. And all the Hashik. That's what I was just about to say. The Hashik calls, there's so many of them. Oh. Yeah, he's just in, in awe of Hashik. And frankly, the Baron one, which is, I think oh, when they're playing the Flyers, and he jumps back in the net and like knocks the puck away with his stick. And he's like the call a cop one. Yep. So you have those ones for people that grew up in that era. So I vaguely remember, well, I definitely remember him saying Stu Barnes. And I remember the Baran and Hashik ones. And then you get 
well, another another Stu Barnes one. Actually, I'm almost forgetting about this. In 01, when they they went up three two on the Penguins, and in Game yeah. Five he scored in overtime. That's a great call as well. And then you get like the 0506 ones. You get the scary good ones, and then the Danny Briere. Danny Briere must have been his 12th shot of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then who else but Chris Drury? So those are some really fun ones. You get there. Umberger, yes, of course. <laughs> Could I forget? I mentioned As that. As we talked about last, last time. I went back and listened to last week's and you and I both doing the, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I think we should have a contest where everybody just tries to recreate that call just so we can hear everybody's like roar before. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So you just, there's just so many of those. Unfortunately, kids that are under like 21 right now, there's not a lot of memorable moments. So the calls aren't as memorable. It really, the most memorable stuff for the last five years with Rick, for me, is him making fun of Rob Ray. Yeah. <laughs> and the, their banter back and forth. Rob Ray makes fun of him, too. So they have a decent banter back and forth. That's been fun. Can we talk about some... how on the broadcast today, they were talking about the uh, alumni lunch that they had for him. And Ray was, like, agging him on about why he wasn't feeling well. And Rick was just like, you know what? I'll just say it. It's a hangover. i felt and i'll say this too just as a quick side note not even getting caught up in the the emotions of the weekend i his call today was great like i felt like he sounded and it's probably because he's maybe getting caught up in the emotions of everything but he sounded revitalized today i thought i it just he seemed very engaged you know i know people have been and it's undeniable like maybe some of the quality has, has gone down a little bit as he's gotten older, which is to be expected and understood. I still think he's been pretty, pretty solid. Like he, and that's, you know, maybe there's emotional attachment with that too, just because it's RJ and we are going to love him regardless. But today's call, I thoroughly enjoyed. I, I thought he was fantastic. He was excited. Like his excitement in his voice, I thought was like reminiscent of more like early 2010s RJ and, it was great. Like I, I just wanted to put that out there too. Not even getting caught up in it all. He was, he was great today on the call. Yeah. And he's, he's someone that fans that are like as young as like six or seven can connect with fans who are like 76 because there's so many, there's so many disconnects between generations. Even when you're talking about something shared, like the Sabres, like I remember back in my day, the Sabres were better. You know, they weren't missing the playoffs 11 years in a row, blah, blah, blah. Hockey was a different game. There's, there is still a disconnect. I think sometimes, but then there's, you know, that's to be expected in general generations. You know, how, how many times do you think someone born between the years 1950 and 1966 or 1970 has been incredulous that someone born after 1980 because they've never seen Animal House right? Or things right. like that? You know what I mean? Or like they've yeah. never – you never heard of WKRP in Cincinnati or, or whatever that show is called. <laughs> like, well, i got to tell you this joke about turkeys. Like there is some um, – that's how it is, and it's – it's it's like that for us now, pal. With the, these uh, these Gen Z kids and their and their TikToks and their gizmos, we're gonna be out of touch too. We're gonna be like, I can't believe you've never seen a Vine before. Um, but everyone has RJ because you know fans remember RJ back from if you were like a senior in high school when he started calling games, you're like almost seventy years old now. So some of the oldest people he's been with them their entire adult lives. And then most other fans, he's just straight up been there their entire lives and before they were born. Right. So it's just, it's something that everyone can kind of have some kind of connection with them. And it's also like, yeah, I remember like playing like rod hockey. I like Christmas at my house, like 20 years ago. And my like uncle's like 
announcing what was happening like RJ. Or I even remember back when I was like in middle school, I would like watch my brother or someone else play NHL, NHL 06, great soundtrack uh, with someone or like him just play the computer and I would announce the game. Like I was, I basically was a, it was basically an RJ impression. I wasn't just doing an RJ impression, but it was like that very much informed what I thought a hockey play-by-play guy should sound <laughs> like. Um, so yeah, it was more or less uh, a bad imitation of him. So it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. A like, impersonation. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the last thing I want to say is I was thinking about this as it relates to the, the Campbell hit, uh, what we we've been talking about and the, the, the visceral, like guttural roar, that comes out of him <laughs> is like it comes out of him because that's how a fan would react right like you're just you, that, that hit is so out of nowhere it's you know at one point the flyers are trying to break out and you're there's a really tense overtime and the next rj umbergers looks like he got hit by a car and you you watch that and it's just like oh like i remember like like throwing a pillow i was so excited when it happened like a pillow <laughs> that was sitting on my lap and everyone just like freaking out and that's that's why that's like why he got so excited for goals because he was like a fan but a fan that had a you know really impressive uh ability to to call hockey games and that's probably why he got so excited during fights too true (laughs) like the a lot of the a lot of the videos i watched this weekend of him calling different things involve a lot of rob ray fights which he seemed to love calling back in the day yeah. Also, give me an appreciation for fights. We got to talk yes. about that as like another like huge, hugely iconic uh, RJ staple. Oh yes, of course. And with the different things he said, like when he knocks out, I think the guy's name is Bonvi on Ottawa, and then he does a little like, like like yeah. he does like the knockout symbol or like the out symbol, and Jenna Red says like, and Ray applies the coup de gras. Do you think what Rob Ray knows what coup de gras means? Uh, I'm going to say like a less than 0.1%. <laughs> no. So <laughs> anyway, I thought it was, uh, it, well, that also reminded me of how good of a fighter Rob Ray was compared to really some other, was. some other fellows we had <laughs> after him, mm-hmm. but yeah, so it's just, uh, that, I think that's, that's it. He was able to capture the emotions of a fan. And that's kind of what I was talking about last episode when I said things wouldn't quite be the same because he won't be there maybe the Sabres will be a Stanley cup level team again soon. It's definitely a possibility long enough timeline. They probably have to be good at some point. Yeah. And I think they will be, I think they'll probably be pretty good pretty soon. And there'll be moments again that we appreciate. Uh, But the difference is, and this is what I was trying to get across. There aren't a lot of Rick Jennerettes in the world. There are a lot of people like Dan Dunleavy, who's fine. I don't have any problem with him, but I think, you know, he's just a lot of these guys come off as like really polished, guys who went to broadcasting school. And I think that's a little bit different. I think Jennerette was not as uh, polished, which was, which really adds to his charm. Well, and I, again, like Rick just comes off, like you're saying it's, it's as, as a Sabres fan, it just shines through him. And I think that's something that we need to encourage more of, because obviously in journalism, it's all about, and in broadcast, it's all about objectivity and and not letting your biases creep in but on a home hockey broadcast you really need that and I think more than just saying good things about the team it's the the inflection in your voice it's the excitement that you show when you're talking about the team and again on top of it you know again no disrespect to Dan Dunleavy and a lot of these broadcasters like you're referring to but like Rick also just has such a unique voice 
that I think that's the huge thing too. You know, he just doesn't sound like a run, like your run of the mill guy, like him talking. He does not sound like even what like a traditional broadcaster today would sound like at all. And that's really what set him apart from the rest is that it, it, it's just so unique what he was able to bring to the table for this team and for this franchise for this many years. And I know everybody and their brother is probably thinking the same thing, but I, I really hope that we end up being lucky enough in the next couple of years that when this team gets back to being competitive and is a legitimate contender, that we're going to be able to see him call a playoff game sometime. Like how cool would that be to be able to have him come back and do that? I mean, it, it, that is, I, I hope so, so badly that we get to have that moment back where we get to have him in the booth. If it's, even if it's for a period, if it's for color, whatever it is, just bring him back. You know, I, I want nothing more than that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd like to see him be able to pop in uh, from time to time. So another thing happened on Friday night, a hockey game. And it, it was did. a pretty good one. Um, good one. Yeah. So pretty quickly into the game, Peyton Krebs scored pretty nifty goal right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And he, he like kind of jumped, just launched himself into the boards when it happened and the place just erupted. And it was just such a cool atmosphere. We've been in games this year and it, it's not been, it's been a, like that. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a pretty quiet building and that shines through on TV. Even the past couple of years before this, before COVID happened, you had quote unquote tickets sold because there was still a lot more season ticket holders, but people were not showing up and they were not always able to sell their tickets. So they, to, to see everyone in the building and going wild for that kind of game was awesome. And I, I'm sure most people watched, it. I'm sure it got great ratings on TV, but it was a great game, like came down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Anderson had a real, he had kind of a like meltdown for a little while at the beginning of the first period, but he was really strong after that. Didn't allow any more goals. He was impressive. Yeah. And it was a thrilling game. It really was. <laughs> we got to see Tage Thompson's 30th goal of the season in front of us. That was two goals, frankly, that he had. He had the 29th and his 30th. That's we'll say that's about the last thing I was expecting before this season was to, to see Tage Thompson score his 30th goal in person with a month left in the season. Not in the, I mean, it's, it's not, let's, let's let Tage get 40 this year. Let's get crazy here. Just let it, let's have him go on a run, put up 40 goals at the very least surpass Jack Eichel's career high of 36 and let's get wild. Well, that is possible. He needs six goals in the last 12 games. They have 12 games, right? That was tonight was their 70th game. This afternoon was, Okay, so six goals in 12 games. He'd have to get hot to do it, but it's doable. It's not like he has, you know, it's not that hot. Absolutely. It, it is very, very doable. in the realm of possibility. I know. I was really hoping he'd get pot and empty netter uh, on Friday, but yeah, the Sabres missed the empty net like six times. <laughs> yeah, that, but, that, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, they won anyway, and it was so nice to see them bring RJ onto the ice oh, uh, to, to do the salute with them. And what a nice moment for Alex Tuck, who grew up listening to him, much like we did. He's only a couple years younger than us, so he remembers the mm-hmm. the, the fun era from '05 to '07. Yeah, what a what a what a moment for a guy like that. That's really cool. I'm glad he was able to be around for that, and it seemed like the team really appreciated it. Agreed. I mean, that just like the photo at the end of them all on the ice. It was such a moment being able to just stand there and watch that and. We really haven't had many of those in the past decade where it's just, you kind of look around and are like, wow, is this really happening right now? You know, I, 
It was the loudest I had heard the building since the San Jose game, the Skinner overtime winner uh, to prolong the win streak a few years back. I have not heard the building like that since then. And it was unlike anything we've heard this season. It's been anything like unlike we've heard for the past few seasons. So all around, it was an excellent night. And again, got to give a shout out to the Sabres for just putting on a great night and shout out to uh, the handsome lead singer of the band that performed, of course, our good friend, Andy Meyer, who was the lead singer of the band, the plagiarists. Yeah. So that's the second, second time I've seen him at a Sabres game this year. I haven't, actually, I haven't run into him and actually seen him, but I've seen his band play twice. The hot ticket. And yeah, seriously. It's funny. It wasn't until the, when I saw them uh, during the Edmonton game in November, they performed between periods like your band did. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I was listening to their songs that I was like, oh, they're called the plagiarists because they're a cover band. Oh my God, Taylor. Come <laughs> I, on. I never realized it. I was like, oh, wait, yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> Clever. Like, oh, it's a good one. Yeah. yeah there, there are some clever fellas there. No, they did a great job. Also, two of them are in our fantasy hockey league as well, which, by the way, Taylor, pivotal pivotal matchup going on today right now the last one of the week next week is the last uh matchup before the playoffs and you my friend are battling for that last spot you're going up against our other good friend tj luckman right now you are yeah, former guest. a game behind him and if you win you guys end up getting tied with another dude who's playing this week who is losing right now so there would be a three-way tie going into the last game of the season for the final playoff spot I, yeah, real. I regret uh, starting the season 0 and 6 or 0 and 7 <laughs> because I'd, I've really come on strong since then. So I, yeah. I wish I, yeah, I just, I don't know what happened at the beginning of the year because honestly, I'm not, I guess I'm healthier now, but I don't have Leonard. So I'm not getting good goalie numbers. Mm, but yeah, yeah. yeah, there's been some guys that, you know, who's really come on strong? Who's that? Well, first of all, this is a this is a weird one, but Andrew Kopp has been really pretty good this year. Andrew Kopp is good because our league does 0.25 points per faceoff win, and if you are remotely good at faceoffs and don't even put up a lot of points, then you're going to be in really good shape. And Andrew Kopp is pretty fucking good at faceoffs. Yeah, and then also Blake Wheeler was not good at all fantasy wise at the beginning of the year, and he really started to be more productive when he came back from injury. So that was huge. Mm-hmm. Also. This other guy, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's been pretty valuable fantasy-wise. His name is Austin Matthews. I don't know if I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah, scoring a zillion goals definitely helps increase your, your fantasy value. Yeah, so I'm looking now, so I'm, I'm probably going to lose this week, it seems like. Oh, no, really? What's the score? 189-162. So, Oof. yeah, wasn't yeah. a very productive day, day today. Day but day. Yeah, there's quite a few games on tonight. yesterday, weren't you? Uh, I was ahead on Friday. I want to say Jesus. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but Hey, it's not over yet. Right. <laughs> Who do you have to go? still? how many more guys do you have to play today? Quite a few. Oh, that's good then. Yeah. Let's see. I didn't realize Bertuzzi was going to be out. I would have probably sat him. Oh, well, that's enough fantasy talk. <laughs> um, any, do you have any more, any more takes on the games? No, um, not really. I mean, it was a great game all around. I, they, they came up, they showed up to play and, you know, you really could not have asked for a better night. Like it, just watching that game the entire time, I was just excited at the thought of being able to talk about it, you know? And so kudos to them again for just putting on a, a hell of a night. Like they, they really pulled out all the stops and 
it was a it was a proud day to be a Sabres fan, which again something we haven't been able to say very often these days. So all all around top marks. Yep. So we have two games against the Carolina Hurricanes coming up Tuesday and Thursday, both ESPN Plus games. So there we go. Uh, so those are, and then they also play the Panthers again on Friday. So what I was talking about earlier, the podcast about just playing well and mm-hmm. continuing to see improvement out of guys not necessarily worrying about wins. That's, that's uh don't go. Oh, and three this week, I guess get a point this week. That'd be huge. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And we'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, which I think we can probably tease this because barring a, a scheduling issue, we're going to be having ourselves a guest on Wednesday, a first time guest and somebody that you and I have both been uh, a big fall or a big fan of uh, following on Twitter, Jay fresh hockey. He is a bit of an analytics guru. I'm sure many of you follow him. If you don't and you are just a general hockey fan, you got to follow him. He's awesome. He makes analytics very palatable for people who maybe don't understand them. His charts that he uses are very descriptive and really just get across, I guess, the deeper meaning of what you are trying to analyze by utilizing analytics. Um, And oftentimes he talks about the Sabres. He will... Um, he talks about everybody really, but like one of the things he does, that's really cool is that he does like the video highlights of like a particular guy on each night. So whoever has like a really, really good night, he'll usually like list a few guys and say who should get the video treatment tomorrow. Rasmus Dahlin recently got it in the game where he had the, whatever it was like the 93 expected goals for percentage. Um, so he's a great follow, really, really interesting dude. And he will be our guest for Thursday's episode. So very excited to have him on. Yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, do you have any recommendations? I do, actually. So Red Hot Chili Peppers released a new album on Friday. It was their first album with their former guitarist, now returned guitarist, John Frusciante, back in the fold. He left the band in 2009 after they put out their album, which was a Grammy-winning album, Stadium Arcadium. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the songs like Danny California, Snow. Plenty of hits from that one. Amazing album. He ends up leaving the band in 2009. Their touring guitarist, then uh, Josh Klinghoffer, takes over duties for the next two albums playing lead guitar. John Frusciante and Flea had re- like had a really close relationship still, even after he had left the band. And as we had recently come to find out, it was in like 2019 that they were hanging out together with him, John Frusciante, his girlfriend, Flea, and his wife, the four of them. The two of them leave, and so it's just John and Flea alone. And in an interview, it pretty much was revealed that like, flea kind of like the both of them like broke down to each other about how much they missed playing music together and so for shawnee ends up joining the band they end up uh parting ways with josh klinghoffer who's now the guitarist for pearl jam actually so he had a pretty nice little fallback plan there but um for shawnee comes back into the fold he's been their guitarist on all of their big albums so uh in order mother's milk then blood sugar sex, sex magic which had like under the bridge on it which was the big one from from there soul to squeeze again like another huge song from back in the day he leaves for their mid-90s album and dave navarro takes over for that one that came out in 95 and then he comes back for the big trio of californication by the way in stadium arcadium and he came back for this new album unlimited love it's called it came out on friday and i've given it a couple listens now and am really impressed and it lived up to the very high expectations i had there's a lot of like mid-tempo songs so there's not really as many like bangers as you would maybe expect but there's still a healthy amount it's a 17 song album so there's a lot of diversity in that between songs that are like of the very like classic chili sound with some of those like funk infused songs 
Um, Flea's bass playing is great. John's guitar playing is amazing. Chad Smith is great. Keith, all of them are great. Um, but like the the high points of the album, boy oh boy, do they hit. I, I I was just listening through the second time is when I really I think gained the appreciation for how good the album actually is and how it, it is miles better than the last two albums. It really feels like in a way a continuation off of Stadium Arcadium. Some of my favorite songs too for anybody who might want to go through and and listen. Some interesting titles here, but Aquatic Mouth Dance is a really cool one. That's a very like classic chili sounding song. She's a Lover is another one that's really good. What you thinking? Uh, the lead single, Black Summer, that was a really good one too. The second single from the album, Poster Child, is another one that's like a lot of the, very much that like classic Chili Peppers uh, sound. Um, the Heavy Wing is another one that's really good. So go listen to it. It's really cool. If you like the Chili Peppers, this is like a return to form for them. And I like their last album too, The Getaway, which came out like four or five years ago. I actually did enjoy that one. Not as good as any of their other ones with Frusciante because also I'm very biased in that he's my favorite guitar player ever. But Highly, highly recommend. If you're listening, to, if you're looking for some no, new music, go check out "Unlimited Love" by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Taylor, what do you got for yours? Well, wait. So, also the Grammys are tonight. Do you have a take on who you'd like to see win a Grammy? Uh, no, but I have takes on who I would like to see get slapped in the face. <laughs> well, How about Chris you? Rock. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Do you have any uh, predictions for the Grammys tonight? No, I have no idea who's nominated. I actually um, don't either. I really haven't been tuned in like at all so i just saw the guy who has the most nominations i have no idea who he is so maybe i'm old maybe i was right earlier i'm already uh let's see what's his name i just saw a tweet with him in it uh now the tweet's gone so no i have no idea who it is all right i'm gonna give i'll give a couple right now of uh what i hope to see for record of the year i'm gonna go kiss me more by doja cat featuring scissor because i'm in love with both of them especially scissor album of the year I'm going to pick either I'll go Doja Cat again for Planet Her, but I think maybe Billie Eilish ends up pulling it out. Also shout out to her, her album back in my mind. Her is really great. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome guitar player and singer song of the year. We'll go. Not Justin Bieber. That's, that's my prediction. If Justin Bieber walks away without having any, uh, any awards it'll be it'll be a good night and then best new artist i'll give a couple shout outs to arlo parks i actually saw at um uh shaky knees music festival in atlanta the festival i went to back in october they were really really great glass animals is really cool too so it'd be cool to see either of them so weedy too really good <clears throat> really good rapper um seeing her one would be cool and then again yeah i think really my main takeaway here is just uh no justin bieber really that's that's i think my my hope for the evening. Hmm. Interesting. Anyways, do you have a, uh, a recommendation? Yeah. You want to go see Morbius this weekend? Absolutely fucking not getting atrocious reviews. And I love to see it because Jared Leto folks, as we all know, is a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Sorry to any Jared Leto fans, but well, after the guy's after... like a cult leader, come on. Yeah. You know After who he kind of reminds the... me of a little bit? Sorry, but you know who he gives me weird vibes of? Ooh. That senator in Parks and Rec that Ben and April go and work for in Washington who's like a robot person. I feel like Jared Leto gives me those vibes. Interesting. So he, he's been in a lot of, let's say, not great movies. He Tough, <laughs> tough performance in another superhero movie, uh, the original Suicide Squad, the bad Suicide Squad. Uh, but he... Uh, 
he was he had some goodwill built up because of his his performance in House of Gucci. Really inspired stuff. By you, you were building it up. Yeah, mostly me. And now I've been giving see... that man credit for weeks. And while he was good in that, <laughs> good's an interesting weirdo. way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I am a pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so ridiculous. But he, yeah, I actually might see Morbius because the reviews are so bad that I kind of want to see how how it's so bad. Like, I'll go it, with you on a Tuesday when I can pay $5 and not pay the full amount of money. If you want to do Regal Tuesday night movie night, I'm in. Do they still do that? They do. Oh, good. I heard they got rid couple, of it. No, I did it a couple weeks ago. Oh, good. Yeah, maybe we'll go on a Tuesday. Then. Maybe we'll go this Tuesday. No, the Sabres will game this Tuesday. We'll yeah. go soon. Uh, yeah, it's it looks interesting. Uh, it didn't do all that well box office-wise either. It, using that very generously. Okay, so I should say this. It didn't look interesting at all to me when I saw the preview. But now I'm kind of interested. But there's a good chance it's just bad in a very boring, formulaic way, too. So we'll see. And my recommendation is a movie I did see this week called X. Oh. X was a great are? time. Yes. It's, What's the deal? It's, uh, these, it's 1979, and this group of uh, young folks are renting a, like a, a kind of a guest house in rural Texas from an, an older couple. Uh-oh. And they're looking to make a dirty movie there. Oh, and it's a slasher movie as well. The, this movie is a slasher. The movie they're making is just a dirty movie, <laughs> um, as they call it. Um, and it's wild. It's a really wild movie. I thought it was really inspired. That's quite the concept there. Yeah, definitely. As um, Kid Cudi's in it. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. It's great. Is and it then, in uh, right now? What's up? Is it in theaters or was that? Is it like yeah. a movie? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not that widespread though. Weirdly, Regal only had it in the afternoon. I saw it at AMC, but it's in some theaters. It's done okay, box office. It's relatively small budget, but not super small budget. Interesting. But I had a great time, and it's got decent reviews. You got to be interested in that though. I mean, if you're not interested in seeing a slasher, you're probably not going to like it. But yeah, what a what an interesting uh, good time at the movies. I don't go. think I'll be able to say the same thing when I see Morbius. <laughs> it's for the best well we'll we'll uh make sure we give a very detailed review of morbius then if we go see it uh in the next couple weeks yeah man is he supposed to be part of like the mcu or whatever i hope no i think he's the like sony's version of it where it's like venom him and then probably it's going to be andrew garfield's spider-man i think really i think so oh wow i uh I'm pretty sure that's the plan, at least. I think I saw something. Never mind. Interesting. But I think that's supposed to be a thing. Well, Venom is in the MCU, kind of. The MCU adjacent. Yes, because I guess he, that... he was featured in Spider-Man in the post-credit of Spider-Man No Way Home. And vice versa. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, so I guess we'll see. Now, I, I don't really know what Venom is up to these days, but he's, you know, he seems like he's always having a great time. So oh, yeah. good to see Unfortunately, I don't know if <laughs> Dr. Morbius is having as, as good of a time as Venom. Straight up not having a good time, folks. No, they should lend, if I was in charge of the MCU, I would lend the Eternals to Sony and be like, you guys make make a movie with the Eternals and Morbius and Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man and Venom. That's your Avengers. And I think, hey, maybe it'll work out. Probably not, but then you don't have to deal with it. Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, and Venom intrigue me. The rest of that sentence does not. <laughs> what about Kingo? 
Kingo. Ah, uh, well, no. Well, look, a third of the Eternals are dead. Harry Styles. I'll give it that much. Harry Styles in the MCU should be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Is he going to be an Eternal now? He's Thanos' brother. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's Thanos' brother. Yeah. I can see the resemblance. Yeah. Um, like. there, if they make another Eternals, which they will, there aren't nearly as many Eternals. No, there's only... What do you mean? So, Gilgamesh is dead. Uh, Selma Hayek's Eternal is dead. Right. Benjamin Madden's Eternal is dead. And Sprite, my girl Sprite, is no longer an Eternal. Yeah, that's... But lucky for us, there was like 17 of them, so... <laughs> and they introduced them all very well and wove them into the story in a non-jilted way. That made It's crazy how the Joker was in the Eternals now, too. That's a weird DC-MCU crossover. Yeah. Wow. What were your thoughts on that? Did you watch the, the jokes aside for anybody who may not have missed it? Uh, Barry Kerrigan or whatever the hell his name is, who was in Eternals is going to be the new Joker in like the Robert Pattinson Batman universe. Did you see the uh, not post credit scene, but like the deleted scene of like the interrogation with Robert Pattinson and his Joker that they had released? Yeah, I, didn't, uh, I, I can't do another Joker. We already did the Joker okay. so many times. That's... Jared Leto, he really soured it. Kind of, but like a Joker won Best Actor at the Oscars after that. That's the thing. There's been, I think we said this recently in a recent pod. There's been five big Jokers in the last 30 years. Jack Nicholson, iconic, great job. Uh, Mark Hamill, the animated guy. And what what is that called? Just the Batman, the animated series? Yeah, yeah, which is like unreal. Yeah, he kills it. Very well, very highly thought of. And so is Mark Hamill's voice acting performance. Mm-hmm. Then you have Heath Ledger, which is one of the most maybe the most legendary comic book movie performance of the 21st century or ever. And he won an Oscar for best supporting actor. And then Jared Leto, which for better or worse was a right. big moment in pop culture, but uh, not a particularly good one. And then you have uh, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, who it was the star. First of all, he won best actor at the Oscars in a pretty good year. And that also that movie was nominated for 11 Oscars. Do you think that, shouldn't it was have been. that he won? Yes, he's the part that I think they got most right. Like, it should not have been nominated for Best Picture. Todd Phillips should not have been nominated for Best Director, but he was incredible. He's the reason the whole movie works. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, Todd Phillips, I, I literally can't believe it. He, I mean, I know he it was the directing part that it, it's not exactly the writing part, but like, the movie is just mashed up two Scorsese movies and threw the Joker in the middle of them. Yeah. And in, in some cases, just literally stole shots from them. <laughs> Like, I can't believe they rewarded that, but that's what they reward things they've seen before. Like, right. they like to see that kind of, uh, oh, like, which, which is weird because they didn't, I don't think either of those movies, neither of those won Best Picture. No. Think of Comedy or Taxi Driver. And Scorsese didn't win anything until 2006. So, like, very strange that they like Scorsese rip off more than this. It's honestly why the it's one of the, my favorite things about that Oscars, Bong Joon, Bong Joon who one uh, for parasite they won so many things bong joon ho i think his name is not who bong mm-hmm. joon ho um they won so many things parasite so he had to keep going on stage and he wins best director and he gives a via his translator a really nice heartwarming thing about how what an honor it was to be nominated in the same category as tarantino and scorsese and how their films have inspired him so much to become the director he has and they've had such an impact on his life and then I don't know if there's something lost in translation, but he was basically like uh, Sam Mendes and Todd Phillips. It's undeniable that you guys are technically also directors. 
Which <laughs> <Like, laughs> is hilarious. Like, he probably didn't mean it as an own, but it kind of was. That rules. So, that rules. Yeah, I, I kind of got off topic there. Yeah. So no, I'll get back okay. to it. CX, if you like slashers and, you know, kind of graphic type things and, you know, poor comedy type stuff, religious undertones. Mia Goth is in it. She's fantastic. Or if you're just into really yeah. weird porn. Yeah, it's not that weird. It's pretty straightforward. The movie. Well, no, making. I mean, well, people end up getting murdered. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's not my favorite kind. <laughs> no, so I mean, honestly, though, uh, Jenna Ortega is also in it. Who, if oh, you okay. just saw the new Scream, she's pretty good nice. in both movies. Yeah, so there's a lot there. But if you don't like that kind of movie, don't see it because it's gonna, it's it's moderately disturbing. Fair enough. I will not see it. <laughs> All right. All right. Who's your so random favorites player, Taylor? Um, I'm going to go with Pat LaFontaine. Ooh. All right. I guess I'll go with Chris Drury then, since we're going with uh, people who we seemingly thought hated the Sabres. Good stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Check them out on whatever social media platform you're on and make sure you're checking out all the other great shows that both of them are putting out on whatever streaming platform that you use. Make sure you are subscribed to Straight Up Sabres on your streaming platform of choice, wherever you're listening to us right now. And also make sure that you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres. Again, we have a really exciting episode coming up on Wednesday and we have more or on Thursday, I should say, and we have more interviews lined up through the rest of the year that we're really excited as we're rounding out the 2021, 2022 season and getting ready for what is seemingly going to be a big off season. But before we get there also make sure you are taking advantage of the promo code THPN at DraftKings so that you can win money. And uh, I will also say I bet on the Sabres, on DraftKings on Friday and doubled my money. So gambling is good and will never, ever, ever steer you down the wrong path, everybody. That is what I've learned from this. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres. We'll talk to you all on Thursday. Thursday.